Welcome to the Time Machine Talk Show. Here's your host, Miss Ziegler. Welcome back to the Time Machine Talk Show. On this episode, we will be starting on page 334 and talking about the Trans-Saharan trade route. There aren't any questions in your reading questions about this, but it is something important that you need to read. And for extra credit, if you want to answer this question, I will give you some extra credit. It is from the 2012 AP World History Exam, Continuity and Change Over Time. And this is the essay question. Analyze continuities and changes in trade routes between Africa and Eurasia from 300 CE to 1450 CE. So you would need one continuity, two changes, and bullet points underneath each one. So here we go on page 334. We're going to start under where it says commercial beginnings in West Africa. Trans-African trade, like the commerce of the Silk Roads and the Sea Roads, was rooted in environmental variation. The North African coastal regions, long part of Roman or later Arab empires, generated cloth, glassware, weapons, books, and other manufactured goods. The Great Sahara held deposits of copper and especially salt, while its oases produced sweet and nutritious dates. While the sparse populations of the desert were largely pastoral and nomadic, further south lived agricultural peoples who grew a variety of crops, produced their own textiles and metal products, and mined a considerable amount of gold. The agricultural regions of sub-Saharan Africa are normally divided into two ecological zones, the savanna grasslands immediately south of the Sahara, which produce grain crops such as millet and sorghum, and the forest areas further south, where root and tree crops such as yams, kola nuts predominated. These quite varied environments provided the economic incentive for the exchange of goods. The earliest long-distance trade within this huge region was not across the Sahara at all, but largely among the agricultural peoples themselves in the area later known to Arabs as the Sudan, or the land of black people. During the first millennium BCE, the peoples of Sudanic West Africa began to exchange metal goods, cotton textiles, gold, and various food products across considerable distances using boats and along the Niger River and donkeys overland. On the basis of trade, a number of independent urban clusters emerged by early centuries of the Common Era. The most well-known was Jinjeno, which was located at a critical point on the Niger River where goods were tri- transshipped from boat to donkey or vice versa. This was the Niger Valley civilization described in Chapter 6. The major turning point in African commercial life occurred with the introduction of the camel to North Africa and the Sahara in the early centuries of Common Era. Turning point is a big, big sign that a change is coming. So get your pencils ready. This remarkable animal, which could go for 10 days without water, finally made possible the long trek across the Sahara. It was camel-owning dwellers of desert oases who initiated regular Trans-Saharan commerce by 300 to 400 CE. Several centuries later, North African Arabs, now bearing the new religion of Islam, also organized caravans across the desert. 
What they sought above all else was gold, which was found in some abundance in the border areas straddling the grasslands in the forest of West Africa. From its source, it was transported by donkey to transshipment points on the southern edge of the Sahara and then transferred to camels for the long distance north across the desert. African ivory, cola nuts, and slaves were likewise in considerable demand in the desert, the Mediterranean basin, and beyond. In return, the peoples of the Sudan received horses, cloth, dates, various manufactured goods, and especially salt from the rich deposits in the Sahara. Thus, the Sahara was no longer simply a barrier to commerce and cross-cultural interaction. It quickly became a major international trade route that fostered new relationships between distant peoples. So to describe your change, you could say that in the first millennium BCE, you can put down that they didn't trade across the Sahara. And this change would come in the early centuries of the Common Era when the camel is introduced. So we're going to go on and it says the caravans that made the desert crossing could be huge with as many as 5,000 camels and hundreds of people traveling mostly at night to avoid the daytime heat. The journey might take up to 70 days, covering 15 to 25 miles per day. For well over a thousand years, such caravans traversed the deserts, linking the interior of West Africa with lands and people far to the north. So in your AP curriculum, it requires you to know examples of caravan organization. So definitely put down for caravans that it could be up to 5,000 camels, hundreds of people. They usually traveled at night to avoid the heat, and the journey could take up to 70 days. Why do you think that they traveled with so many people and so many camels? Like, what would be the purpose of that? Yeah, good guess. Safety. That's very important, right? So as in Southeast Asia and East Africa, this long-distance trade across the Sahara provided both incentive and resources for the construction of new and larger political structures. It was the people of the Western and Central Sudan, living between the forest and the deserts, who were in the best position to take advantage of these new opportunities. So our first change was the camel was introduced and that made it possible, right? And then this could be a second change. It was um, political structure, so keep that in mind as we're reading. Between roughly 500 and 1600, they constructed a series of states, uh, empires, and city-states that reached from the Atlantic coast to Lake Chad, including Ghana, Mali, Songhai, Canaan, and the city-states of Hausa people. All of them were monarchies with elaborate court life and varying degrees of administrative complexity and military forces at their disposal all drew on the wealth of trans-Saharan trade, taxing the merchants who conducted it. In the wider world, these states soon acquired a reputation for great riches. An Arab traveler in the 10th century CE described the ruler of Ghana as the wealthiest king on the face of the earth because of his treasures and stocks of gold. At its high point in the 14th century, Mali's rulers monopolized the import of strategic goods such as horses and metals, levied duties on salt, copper, and other merchandise, and reserved large nuggets of gold for themselves while permitting the free export of gold dust. So basically you can see that these kingdoms are just getting rich off of this trade. And monopolizing it means that they had complete control. Next paragraph, this growing integration with the world of international commerce generated the social complexity and hierarchy characteristic of all civilizations. Royal families and elite classes, merchandise and 
artisan groups, military and religious officials, free peasants and slaves, all of these were represented in this emerging West African civilization. So too were gender hierarchies, although without the rigidity of more established Eurasian civilization. Rulers, merchants, and public officials were almost always male, and by 1200, earlier matrilineal descent patterns had been largely replaced by those tracing descent through the male line. Male bards, the repositories for their community's history, often viewed powerful women as dangerous, not to be trusted, and a seductive distraction for men. So a bard would be like the storyteller or someone that would preserve the, the history of the, of the culture. But ordinary women were central to agricultural production and weaving. Royal women played important political roles in many places, and oral trans, uh, traditions and mythologies frequently portrayed a complementary rather than hierarchical relationship between the sexes. This is according to a recent scholar. It says, Men in Western African civilization derive their power and authority by releasing and accumulating nyama, which is a pervasive vital power. Through acts of transforming one thing into another, making a living animal dead in hunting, making a lump of metal into a fine bracelet at the smithy, women derive their power from similar acts of transformation, turning clay into pots or turning the bodily fluids of sex into a baby. Certainly, the famous Muslim tra traveler Ibn Battuta, visiting Mali in the 14th century, was surprised and appalled at the casual intimacy of unmarried men and women. As in all civilizations, slavery found a place in West Africa. Early on, most slaves had been women, working as domestic servants and concubines. As West African civilization crystallized, however, male slaves were put to work as state officials, porters, craftsmen, miners, harvesting salt from de desert deposits, and especially agricultural laborers producing for the royal granaries on large estate or plantations. Most came from non-Islamic and stateless societies further south, which were raided during the dry season by cavalry-based forces of West African states. Though some white slave women from the eastern Mediterranean also made an appearance in Mali, a song in honor of one 11th century ruler of Canaan boasted of his slave raiding achievements. It says, The best you took and sent home as the fruits of battle, the children crying on their mothers, you snatched away from their mothers. You took the slave wife from a slave and set them in lands far removed from one another. Most of these slaves were used within this emerging Western African civilization, but a trade in slaves also developed across the Sahara. Between 1100 and 1400, perhaps 5,500 slaves per year made the perilous trek across the desert, where most were put to work in the homes of wealthy in Islamic North Africa. These states of Sudanic Africa developed substantial urban and commercial centers, such as Kombaisela, Jene, Timbuktu, Gale, Gobir, and Kano, where traders congregated and goods were exchanged. Some of these cities also became centers of manufacturing, creating finely wrought beads, iron tools, or cotton textiles, some of which centered the circuits of commerce. Visitors described them as cosmopolitan places where court officials, artisans, scholars, students, local and foreign merchants all rubbed elbows. As in East Africa, Islam accompanied trade and became an important element in the urban culture of West Africa. 
The growth of long-distance trade has stimulated the development of an African civilization which was linked to the wider networks of exchange in the Eastern Hemisphere. So going back to our question, analyzing continuities and changes in trade networks between Africa and Eurasia from circa 300 CE and uh, to 1450 CE, if you go to Google and you Google AP World History 2012 Scoring Guidelines, the first thing that pops up is the example like what we looked at on the last podcast. And remember that this is different guidelines than what you have now, but the gist is the same. So if you scroll down to the first essay, 2A, I want you to go to the second paragraph of that. This one is a great example of how to write change, okay? So in her second paragraph, or his second paragraph, not sure, it says, in 300 CE, African-Eurasian trade was very limited. There was some interaction with Mediterranean cultures, olives, and other European goods were traded for African commodities such as spice and precious metals. This limited interaction was mostly due to the declining Roman Empire. So right there, it talks about what it was like in 300 CE, okay, before the change, and why. It gives the definition of why it, when uh, it talks about the declining Roman Empire. Then it says, Southern Europe was facing internal problems and therefore was not looking outward towards trade routes with Africa. This changed as time went on. By the 800s to 900s, Europe had become more stable and the Islamic Empire had risen in the Middle East. Therefore, these regions were ready to trade, okay? So it talks about before the change, and then it talks about why the change happened. That's very important. This change, okay, so we already wrote, uh, read that. Um, i got to find my spot. As the Islamic Empire thread, uh, spread over the northern African coast, so too did Islamic trade routes. As Islamic traders came in from the east, European tradesmen came from the north with new technologies that allowed them to go through or bypass the once impenetrable Sahara Desert, which had been a barrier to trade. Due to all these factors, oh wait, sorry, they draw an arrow in. It says, furthermore, Indian traders arrived to West Africa. Due to all these factors, the African gold salt trade arose. Salt from Indian Ocean and Mediterranean traders was exchanged for gold from sub-Saharan Africa. Ghana, Mali, and Songhai became major trade hubs in the gold salt trade. So they have put in some amazing details. And you will see if you go down to the scoring guide that this person got an 8 on this essay. So the grader was happy with how much evidence they put in and... Um, how much uh, they talked about it, and were able to mention the different changes and the specifics of that change, all right? So you can look at these examples for some ideas, but remember, I have read these. So if you write this exact same essay or use these same points, you will not get extra credit for this question. So you need to come up with different ones. And remember also that you're analyzing the networks between Africa and Eurasia. So it's not just the Trans-Saharan, right? You can also talk about the Silk Road. You can talk about the Indian Ocean, okay? So make sure that you're looking at these changes and continuities between Africa and Eurasia and not just Africa. So good luck with that. And when you get something written up, you can bring it to me. You don't have to write in full sentences. You can simply write your thesis and then break down your thesis into three topic sentences. 
Under those topic sentences, write the details of what you would talk about with those changes and continuities. And that wraps up this edition of the Time Machine Talk Show. Thank you so much for listening.